Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. The significance of baptism is good to remind you why. Why do we do it? Do we just do stuff to be religious? No. 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 Scripture says the letter of the law kills. People say, no, I'm just going to check off some boxes. I'm going to do all this stuff. No. The letter of the law kills. Scripture says it's the spirit that gives life. I've, no, I've known people well that I think they were well-meaning, but they were just checking off boxes. Well, I'll go to church. I, that's my time with God. And I read my Bible and I did that. Well, it's, remember, Jesus was all about motives of the heart. You remember that? Jesus said we even had to, we as men, this, this relates to women too, we had to be careful how we look at a woman, us as men, right? Because if we look at a woman with lust, we've committed adultery in our heart. He, he talked about treating someone with hatefulness instead of love and forgiveness. It's the same as a murderer, Scripture says. So you've got to walk in forgiveness. It's all about the motives of our heart. So the reason we do baptisms, we hadn't done any in a while, I think I have six tonight, if we do all six of them. Baptisms we do for this reason. Number one, in the book of Matthew 28, 19, we don't have to put this on the screens. This, this part wasn't planned. But Jesus said, go into all the world, preaching and teaching and baptizing everyone in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, number one, Robert, are you listening? Number one, Jesus commanded it. That's why we're baptized. And Jesus is our ultimate example. He forgave, so we forgive. He loved, so we love, right? He speaks with wisdom, so our goal is to speak with wisdom. Look at this. Look how quick they are back there. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There it is, Matthew 28, 19. It's a command, number one. Look at number two. Let's go to um, Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Matthew 3, 13. And Jesus is our perfect example. He commanded us, but he also lived the example. Look at this. We're going to read down through verse 17. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. Good to see y'all. But John tried to talk him out of it. Can you imagine Jesus came to you and said, or can you imagine he came to you and said, can you baptize me? <laughs> John said, uh, I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you. He said, so why are you coming to me? But look at this. Look at that next verse. Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry, all, carry out all that God requires. One translation says, we must fulfill all righteousness. So John agreed to baptize him. After his, baptizum, after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. Look at the next verse. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. So number one, Jesus commands it. Number two, he lived it and he was baptized. Two reasons we need to get baptized. Now, here is the significance of it, okay? Let's go to Galatians 3.26. We're going to read verses Galatians 3.26 and 27. And I like this. It says, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Look at the next verse. All who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ. 
like putting on new clothes. That's good. That's good news. You can decide and say, you know what? I'm going to clothe myself with Christ through my faith. That's crazy. You put on Christ. And baptism, here's the symbol, symbolism of it. You're di- you, you die to sin, you're buried with Christ, and then you're raised to new life in him. He died, he was buried, and he was raised from the dead. So when you accept Jesus, you take the next step and obey his command to be baptized, and it's a symbol of your death, burial, and resurrection in Christ. Okay? Is everyone still with me? All right? So all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. They've been raised from death to life. All right? So just a real quick overview, and we'll have baptism immediately following the service. So let's go to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Does anybody have any good news tonight before we get started? Anybody at all? I didn't ask earlier, so that's my that's my habit, my custom. I knew somebody had some good news. Yes, ma'am. And the and, and they're going to the English one? Wow. Yeah, last night I came, or not last, yeah, let's see, last night, mm-hmm. I, I got out of my Bible study, walked past here, and I thought my dad was having another nightly service. There were 27 people in here. I thought, wow, that, that's a lot of folks for the class. It's powerful, though. you got to get in there. Why? Why is it so important? Those who have taken the class know it's important because it's just a discipleship class. It teaches you about the spiritual battle. Scripture teaches us that we do not war against flesh and blood. There's an unseen realm around us. Jesus talked about it. Jesus cast out demons. Say, man, that's freaky. Well, he did it. I've had the, opportun- the unique opportunity of casting out some demons. Very interesting. Wasn't by my power. It was by the name of Jesus. And it'll, it'll, uh, it'll make the, the, the hair on your neck stand up. <laughs> but that class is powerful. We're going to start treating that class for now as a prerequisite for taking other surge classes because that's, that's our... Our school, you could say it's a school of ministry, but it is our, it's, they're like discipleship classes, okay? That's what those are, all right? So if you haven't joined yet in English, well, it's too late because there's too many people in there. If you speak Spanish, I think there's some room for you to join still. The next class will be Monday at 7 p.m., all right? So let's start with Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. How on earth can you do that? We talked about this last week. Whatever happens, rejoice in the Lord. That almost doesn't seem real, does it? Say, you mean if everything doesn't go right, just keep praising God, be joyful? That's what it says. Rejoice in the Lord. And look at at what he says here. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. What does that mean? Rejoicing in the Lord safeguards your faith. Well, it it basically prepares you for whatever's going to happen. You're going to hold on to your belief system. Did you know I've personally known people who lost their faith? There were people last year who lost their faith. There were, there were even, there was a guy who was part of a Christian rock group for years. I won't say the name of the group. But last year he decided he was no longer a believer. I've heard, I've heard about this Christian rock group for 20 years. 
He said, no, I'm just not doing it anymore. And he had some real phony reasons, but I was like, wow, everybody has a choice. You have a choice right here, look, to rejoice in everything, trust God in everything. Otherwise, if you don't praise God in every situation, at some point you start blaming God. Are you with me? At some point, is everybody looking at me? I want to make sure I make eye contact with just about everybody I can. At some point, you start blaming God if you don't learn to praise Him in every situation. Being able to praise God in every situation is faith. That's why the Apostle Paul said, I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. you got to take steps. Okay? Having faith is a choice. Someone say a choice. Uh-huh. It's a choice. It is a choice. Did you know I'm completely in love with my wife? But I also, and I feel like I'm in love with her, but I choose, I choose to walk in love with my wife. Husbands and wives, two becoming one flesh is interesting. People say, although that's just a physical act. Oh, no, it's, it's like the Vulcan mind meld. It's like putting, trying to put your heads together and figure out stuff. Man, we're so opposite on some things. You notice that? The same thing that drew you together irritates you. My wife's like, why... Why are you messing around? I'm all, you thought this was cool back in the day. I'm always having fun here. She goes, yeah, but it's time to be serious. I'm all, for how long? She's all, see, see? I'm all, can I put my countdown timer? Hey, Siri, countdown timer, five minutes of serious, you know? <laughs> Do crazy stuff like that. She's like, okay. And I'm like, okay, I'm, just, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm serious. Right? And you got to work it out, and you got to walk in love. I'm in love with my wife, but I practice love. All of you as the flock here, man, the people of God, the members of this church, I love you, but I practice my love with you. Some people say, no, I, I, I've seen people say this. No, I have faith. I have faith, but I don't know if I believe that. What? I understand where you're coming from, but at the same time, we either do or we don't. And we've got to be able to praise God through stuff. We've got to be able to practice our faith. We've got to be able to practice our love. What better time to practice your faith than when you're going through a hard time? Is faith really faith when everything's coming together? Oh, praise God, man, it's perfect today. I didn't need any faith. You had it all that day, right? You ever had one of those days, though, you're going, wow, I can't even believe this. It's like everything is, or you've had seasons like that or some months where you've just been through battles. You need your faith. Take steps to safeguard your faith. Keep praising God. Let's go on to the next verse. This is an interesting verse. He says in verse 2, Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. We have a mixed audience tonight. I'm not going to get into all of this. But circumcision is a surgical procedure formed on men and it was commanded by God in the Old Testament. It was a command given to Abraham. Okay? But we figured out that according to Scripture, the Apostle Paul said, look, that's an act of the Old Testament. That's not what saves you. Faith saves you. Right? Faith saves you. So, Because the Jews were big on this. Are they circumcised or not? And they would call the, the heathens the uncircumcised, those who are not part of the covenant. That was one of their ways of saying they're not part of the covenant of God. Look at this. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. Wow. In spirit. Because when you worship by the Spirit of God and you're walking in faith, then you fulfill the law. How do you fulfill the law, Jesus said? 
You love God, and you love others. Is everybody with me still? That's so simple, isn't it? It's not easy, but it's simple. Because I can preach that all day and say, love God and love others. Man, I got it, I got it. And you leave here and you get mad at someone, right? Or someone's irritating. Oh, no, I know. I told you all the story. I don't know if it was a couple months ago. Man, I preached a word, and I don't, I don't even remember what it was that Sunday morning, but somehow it related. Man, I was feeling God's presence. I left here feeling God's anointing, and I was driving my wife home, and somebody behind me at the light honks at me because I wasn't looking up at the stoplight, and it changed to green. And you know how it is. They honk at you if it's half a second, if they're off their phone or whatever. And I wasn't on my phone. Like, beep. Whoa, okay. So I'm fine. We're going. Well, I drive slow a lot of the time. So as I'm driving, it's one lane there heading north of Broadway, and the guy couldn't pass me, so he thought I was messing with him. I had just preached. I look back. And the guy's telling me I'm number one. I could see he's gesturing that I'm number one. (laughs) Some of y'all are slow, but you're worth waiting on. (sighs) But, yeah, he's gesturing. He's giving me a dirty gesture. I look back, and I went. And I felt, I just, I felt, I had just preached, man. Man, I was walking in faith, God's man of power and faith and then this guy up man it it irritated me it's crazy how irritated you get when you drive sometimes and I'm not an angry driver but I was like what and so then I really I I think my foot instinctively went to the brake again I don't remember I think I saw red well he starts to pass me and Jen's like baby don't even look at him don't even look at him we don't want any problems and I was thinking no I think I may want a problem you know what I mean (laughs) you ever felt like that I said, do I not want a problem? I said, no, she's right. What do they say? Cooler heads prevailed. So I was like, no, you're, you're right. But I'm like, man, I didn't do anything wrong. But that's a chance to walk out your faith, huh? That's a chance. Cool it. Just relax. I mean, what are we going to do? Well, I mean, I don't even know what I had planned. What am I going to do? I just preach the sermon, roll down the window and yell at them? You, you shut up. Don't give me dirty gestures. I pray that you don't, you know, can you imagine what, is, what do you do after preaching a sermon? I pray you don't die and go to hell without Jesus. I mean, what do you do? No, just act right. It's real simple. Did you know your response to people is a gospel message in itself? You ever had dealt with someone who's an absolute jerk? Yeah. There's, sometimes you answer them wisely, and sometimes you just hush and go, Okay. I've dealt with people at the store before or on the phone, and I'm thinking, why are you being so mean? Have y'all, have y'all done that? You were, in a good, you were in a good mood, right? But now your faith is getting tested. Say, so how is it my faith? Scripture says faith works by how? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, but faith works by and through love. So if your love walks whack, well, you could, I got faith, man. Well, faith for what? People go, man, you're mean, you know. But I've, I've dealt with people before, and I've, my wife, she's really good at this. She'll calmly ask people, and they're just giving her a hard time. She'll go, are you having a rough day? It's crazy how that starts to deflate people. Like, oh, uh, am I acting like that? Just walk in love with people. Anybody can act a fool, can't they? They do it all the time. I've seen people arguing uh, or angry over masks, the mask thing. 
You can find videos on the internet of adult people shouting at kids for not wearing a mask, telling them how bad they are. Well, sister or brother, if it bothers you that much, walk around carrying two masks and you can put it on someone, right? Like, man, come on. But just, hey, walk in love, respond in love. I've been teaching this on Sunday mornings the last two weeks. One of your big moves as a person of faith, because you're all people of faith, is to react properly. Remember that example? I've been doing this example for months. The referee never sees the first guy. They see the second one, right? In soccer, someone walked by and kicked someone or pushes them, and then you turn around and hit them, and the ref sees you. He didn't see the first one. And that's how the world is. They didn't see what they did to you. And then, even if they saw what they did to you, what does the world do? I thought you were a Christian. That's just like the devil. Get you to do something or help convince you to do something and then tell on you. I'm not blaming the devil. We have a choice, all right? For we worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. That's how you walk in love. That's how you walk in faith. You rely on what he did, not on what you do. We put no confidence in human effort. What's the next part of that verse? Though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could. This is the Apostle Paul talking. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. Oh, get ready. Next verse. Look at this. He said, I was circumcised when I was eight days old, according to the Hebrew law. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was. He is a Hebrew of Hebrews, right? He said, I was a member of the Pharisees. That was the religious order of the Jews who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous... Zealous means passionately involved, passionately pursuing something. Have you ever been around someone who was zealously telling a joke and their their voice got louder and louder and louder and louder? I have a tendency for doing stuff like that. My wife's like, baby, I think you're screaming. I don't know. I went deaf almost. I can't hear it myself anymore. I'm yelling, right? Zealous is, is, is you're full of passion when you're doing something. I was so zealous. Look at him, and he thought he was doing right, that I harshly persecuted the church. He was still a Pharisee of the Jews, and he was persecuting people who believed in Jesus, if you, if you know your Bible stories. And as for righteousness, he says, I obeyed the law without fault. On the surface, he did everything he was supposed to do. He says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Hmm. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. You say, what about money? One day you're going to stand before God, the money won't matter. I have nev- Did you know I've seen people approach their deathbed I've seen people on their deathbed, and I've never heard anyone tell me, oh, man, Pastor Matt, I should have made more money. Never. You know what people say when they're passing away? Especially if they made poor choices. They say, I wish I was closer to my family. I wish I spent time with my son. I wish I spent time with my daughters. I wish I would have uh, 
talk to my dad one more time, man. We, I wish I'd have talked to my mom one more time before she went. I, you know, people on their deathbed, and then they'll give you deathbed confessions. They'll tell you all these crazy st- things because they're dying. The Apostle Paul, he figured that out while he was alive, though. See, that's our job is figure that out while we're alive. What's valuable and what's worthless. Everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, he says, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as what? Garbage. So that I could gain Christ and become one with him. Wow. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. I need to get into this for a second. Right now, we could start giving you a system of rules and guidelines based on the Old Testament. We could even make rules and guidelines based on the New Testament. Say, hey, here's all these things you got to do. Check off all these boxes. You got to do all this stuff. But at the end of the day, Scripture says, the letter of the law kills. It brings death. But it's the Spirit that brings life. So what does that mean? Well, one way of looking at it is it's all the motive of the heart. I've seen people who were obeying all of the Lord's commandments, but then they were just mean people. And they left out the most important, love God and love others. I've seen that. I've seen people who went to church for 30 years, and they're hard to be around. That's strange, huh? I've seen people who knew the Lord, but man, when they, I I knew a guy one time, and he was a good man, he really was, but I remember he would try to tell people about Jesus, and he'd pick a fight with them. (laughs) I was always like, what are, what are we doing right now? He'd he'd get them riled up and and tell them how sinful they were and stuff, and there's a place for that. You got to really be led by the Spirit of God, but he would stir people up. And they'd be ready to fight. And then, then he'd say, do you want to accept Jesus? And they're like, no. And he'd tell me, brother, they rejected Jesus. I'm like, bro, they rejected your attempt. You're the messenger. Got to walk in love. Did you know, I happen to be a pastor, so you're here tonight and you're listening to the Word of God. Praise God. I am honored and I'm privileged. But even more than the words I speak, did you know, I know how people are. Folks are watching how I treat my wife. Folks are watching how I treat my brother or sister. Folks are watching how I treat my niece. My sister-in-law who's become my sister. Or folks are watching how if I honor my dad or not. If I just get up here and preach and then disrespect my dad when I'm off the pulpit. Words are important, but even beyond that, I love, I believe it was St. Francis de Assisi who said this. He said, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. So people are watching your life. You are a walking, living Bible. You are a walking, living book. You are a walking, living ambassador of Jesus. People are watching how you live and how you act. They may not have your standard, but they want you to have a standard, believe it or not. That's why they go, I thought you were a Christian. Well, you're a Christian. Yeah, but, I mean, I'm doing my best here. Don't, don't test me too much, right? <laughs> You've had those moments. I know I am, but, man, get back up. Back up. I love this, what the apostle says. He says, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous. Look at this. 
I become righteous through faith in Christ. I don't become righteous because I'm obeying all these things from Scripture. I become righteous because I have faith in Jesus and I want to be like Him. Is everybody still with me? That's a pretty simple way to look at it. I am right with God because I believe in Jesus and I want to be like Him. Same for you. Say, no, you're right with God because you prayed this morning. No, you're right with God because you read your Bible. No, praying and reading the Word, I do that because I want to get to know the Lord more, and I need it in my life. God knows for my impatience or my weakness or whatever I'm struggling with, I need to spend time with God for my weaknesses and to get better and grow up and be more Christ-like. But at the same time, I do that because I love God and I just want to spend time with Him, not because I'm checking off a list. Okay? I no longer count on my own righteousness, the apostle said, through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. You become right with God by believing in Jesus, having faith in him, and doing what he says. Look at this. For God's what? For God's way of making us right with himself depends on what? Wow. For God's way of making us right with himself. Hmm depends on faith i'm sure lately folks have been like man pastor matt's been preaching on faith going on two months why is that so important faith is the key to everything for you faith is the key to everything faith saves you You say man by faith i believe in jesus i'm on my way to heaven he's my savior i believe he died and rose again praise god but then faith is also action because you believe you do you do things for god See, so it's not the other way. Say, man, I'm going to do stuff, and it's going to give, it's just going to make me right with God. No, I'm, I'm going to believe, I'm going to believe the Lord through faith. I'm going to be, be right with Him. But when I'm right with Him, I'm going to want to please Him and serve Him and honor Him and do right. Is everybody still with me? God's way of making us right with Himself depends on, let's say it again, everybody, faith. God's way of making us right with Himself depends on everybody say faith. Faith, believing, believing, believing he is who he said he is, doing what he asked us to do. And it's real simple. Remember, it's not easy, but it's simple. You love God and you love others. You love God and you love others. Look at, this is the Apostle Paul now. This guy had, he'd seen and heard Jesus. And look at what he says. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. <laughs> that is the cry of my heart. I believe that's the cry of your heart. You really want to know Jesus and experience the power that raised him from the dead. Look at this. This is a crazy statement. He says, I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Part of how you share in his death is you're baptized. Another way you share in his death is you die to certain things. Did you know there's been things in my life? Because I am very passionate. How many of you would say, and I know not everybody in this house, how many of you would say you are very much in touch with your emotions, you are passionate? Raise your hand. You say, man, I'm, I really, I'm, I, I'm in touch with my emotions. So am I. Man, I laugh. I get excited. I, I cry when I, there's times I'll see a good movie, I'll cry, man, I'll cry in God's presence. I'm in touch with my emotions. All that's great. 
But there's certain things that I've had to die to. Like, there's times where I wanted to be unforgiving. My mom, you, you know, people, people die and go to heaven, we make them saints, but I believe my mom was a saint in so many ways. And we, hey, according to Scripture, we're all saints if we live in righteousness. But one thing I learned from my mom, she was so good at this. I feel like she was borderline, if not a genius at this, as a believer. She would tell me, you know what, you need to die to that. What? What about how I feel? Yeah, I know, but that leads to death. I'd say, wait, you just said that leads to death. She goes, I know. You need to die to that. Put it on the cross with Christ so you can keep living. She was so good at that. Mom would say, you need to die to those feelings. You need to die to that unforgiveness. You need to die to that anger. And she was good at that. If all of our sins were crucified with Christ, there's things that have to be crucified with him too. How about our desires that are not his will? Everybody in here has had a desire at one point. You said, no. I, I, I want to do that, man. I, I'm going to do that. Huh? Not everything that glitters is gold, brother and sister. There's fool's gold. Some of y'all that are single, or some of you that are married now, you know how it is. Maybe back in the day you saw that man, and he looked right. He looked good. Woo, he was handsome. But, man, he probably had goat hooves. Probably a devil. I remember that was one of my mom's lessons too. She said, Some things look good, but they're not. And I really had to get someone who loved me, man, because my hair started falling out before I got with her, you know? You got to be wise and be led by God. Just because something looks good, he or she or that situation, doesn't mean it's God's best for you. And there's others that go, well, just because they go to church, I think they're probably God's will for me. Eh, not true. I was the outgoing, oldest son of the pastor in a bilingual ministry. I'm going to tell you right now, I was God's will for a lot of people, they thought. Not because I'm the man, it's because I was outgoing and I was the pastor's son, probably. I had people tell me some crazy stuff. I'd say, man, if we got married, I'm like, what? If we what? <laughs> Not me, Jack. You must, you must have confused me with someone. Uh-uh. You wait for God's will so you don't have to settle for some situation that's completely out of his will and messes you up. And I don't just mean in choosing a spouse, getting married. I mean in lots of things. There's stuff that looks good, and it's crud. And there's stuff that you go, man, I don't know if that's going to be a good investment, but God, God will speak to you and say, man, no, that's a great investment. It turns out to be something great. There's a story of a man, true story. He was an investor, and he didn't even have a an elementary education. I think he made it, I think he made it to the third or fourth grade. He didn't even finish elementary. But that guy, his claim was that he had never, he had never lost money on a deal because he heard from God. One time he was passing between, he was passing some buildings on a busy street. There was a, a tall building and another tall building. I guess they were high rises. Well, between them there was a strip of land, and it wasn't even an alley. It was a gap between two buildings, and you couldn't even fit anything there. And he's driving by, and the Lord spoke to his heart and said, buy that strip of land. 
He's like, am I sure that's the Lord? So he'd go to his prayer closet and he'd pray. And he said, yep, I'm supposed to do it. So he bought that land. Here's a saying for you for a song. He got it cheap. Maybe a few thousand dollars. He obeyed the Lord. He's like, I don't even know why I did that. Well, guess what? A few months later, the CEO of one of the companies that owned the high rises called the guy in and said, would you come talk to me? Sure. So he went to go see the CEO of this company that owned this high rise. And the guy said, hey, uh, sir, you know, one of those situations where someone in power has their hat in their hands, very humbly imploring him, going, sir, you have us over a barrel. He goes, what do you mean? He goes, I found out that you're the owner of that strip of land. He goes, oh, yeah, I am. He said, uh, I'm in a position to offer you whatever you want for that land. He said, why? May I ask why? He said, there's a code that's changed, and we've, I, didn't, I don't remember if it was about the foundation or some support for the wall. He said, but we need that land to be able to even keep our building, or we're going to have to tear it down. So the test of faith, number one, was he obeyed God. Number two was he didn't get all crazy, because you know how we are. Oh, wait, you need the land? I need $1.8 billion <laughs> in cash tomorrow, or I'm, I'm going to keep the building. I mean, you know, who knows? But then the guy said, you know what? I need to talk to my senior partner. i got to go pray about it. So he prayed again, and God gave him some amount, like 150000 or something, which is a lot of money to us, right? But the CEO said, sir, are you sure that's all you want? He said, that's it. I bought it for way less, but that's what I feel God is telling me to ask for. So I want 100000 or 150000 The guy's like, okay. Hey, write him a check before he changes his mind, right? Amazing. And this guy, all because he's, you may not see it this way sometimes, but I believe that you seeking God in the word in prayer, you can learn to suffer with Christ on this earth just by being in prayer. There's a word, it's called travailing. You ever been in prayer and just cried and you didn't know why you were just so touched? God's working on you. He's letting parts of your flesh die, parts of your desires, the carnal nature. He's dealing with you. This man, that story, that was an example of this guy is being crucified with Christ, but God is making it beneficial for him and blessing him for doing so. Because every time you listen to God's voice and deny your own desires, another part of you, you, gotta, you get to go like that and go, well, that's important to me, but it's more important that I serve God and obey him. Let me... Let me back up on this verse. Go back to the beginning of that verse if you don't mind. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead in all aspects. In my life, in my personality, in business deals, in the church, in my marriage, in relationships, everything. Things I own, I want to experience his mighty power. And then he says I want to suffer with him sharing in his death so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. And you experience in Christ's death, I'm telling you, every day. There's times, let me tell you right now, some of you, maybe this isn't your problem. I naturally have a big mouth. I got to comment for stuff, and sometimes it slips out and I can't get it back. It just comes out of my mouth. Maybe you understand. There's days I'm being playful and fun with my wife, and I'm like, ah, I'm just such a smart aleck. I don't, and she's like, man, that... I know you weren't trying to be hurtful, but man, you being a smart owl, it's bad timing. But then there's times, and I learned this growing up as a teenager in a godly pastor's home. I saved myself some grounding and some spankings by learning to control my tongue. There were times I had 
some words that I wanted to educate my dad with and tell him why. Or mom. And here's why. And it would have made everything worse. So as you walk with God every day, Jesus calls it taking up your cross and following him. He said, if you don't take up your cross and follow him, that's sharing in his suffering. Do you all get that? Jesus mentioned it before, before Paul ever did. He said, take up your cross and follow me. If you don't take up your cross, you're not worthy. You're not worthy of my kingdom. So one way or another, we need to experience the resurrection from the dead through obedience to the Lord. And there's things we got to die to, meaning I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to hang out with him anymore. I'm not going to give in to that weakness anymore. Let's go to the next verse. Look at the Apostle Paul speaking, and I'll finish with this. I'm only going to read the first part of that verse. What verse number is that, Mika? That's 12? Okay. Mental note, 12 for next week. I need to go ahead and start wrapping this up. He says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. He's basically saying, I have a lot, a lot of road left to travel with God. Did you know... I thought I had faith until I was confronted with some really, really hard situations. And then when I was in those situations for several years, all I could do was hold on to my faith. And I didn't feel like I had much going through those situations. You ever been there? Like, do I even have faith? Well, I'm still walking with God. I still believe Him and trust Him. So it's all I got right now. And when I came out of the situation, I looked back and said, I thought I had faith, but I watched my faith grow through those situations. He says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which, what? Christ Jesus first possessed me. He says, man, I'm, I'm moving on toward perfection. That word translated as perfection is maturity. Okay? You won't be perfect till you're in heaven, but we reach for the standard of Christ every day. I love asking this because I know you're answered. Anybody have any questions? I didn't think so. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Let's pray. <laughs> you never know. Maybe someone will ask me a question. Let's pray tonight. Father, I honor you and I thank you for your people gathered in this house today. Those on the live stream and those in person, Father, it is an honor and a privilege to share your word, your truth, your love, your faith, your hope with people, God. I thank you because tonight you spoke to people, but whether they realize it or not, Lord, as you and heaven are my witness, you spoke to me tonight as I gave the word. You taught me more tonight as I gave the word. Somehow I said some things tonight that I hadn't even thought of before by your spirit, God, because you're teaching me and you're teaching the folks that are entrusted to me. We honor you tonight. We humble ourselves before you, God, and we're so glad that your presence is here. We're so glad that you live in us. But if there's anyone in this house or at the sound of my voice on the live stream who says, Pastor Matt, I don't know that I'm right with God. I don't know if I've ever accepted Jesus or I need to recommit my life to the Lord. Would you raise your hand in here and I'm going to pray with you. You say, man, I need to make sure I'm on my way to heaven and not on my way to hell. If there's anyone in here or on the live stream who would say that, I want you to pray this prayer with me. But first, raise a hand. Keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed, please. Everybody in the house, God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you for your courage. Let's pray together. Then everyone in the house, repeat this prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me by the blood of Jesus. I believe that Jesus died and rose again. 
for me, for my sin. Now save me, Lord. Save me from my sin and save me from hell. I believe. I know that I'm forgiven by the blood of Jesus. Say this. Say, now I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for coming to live within me. Now let me pray a special blessing over everyone in this house. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Was there anything in the Word spoken tonight that was for you, you think, that God spoke to you about? Would you raise your hand? Anybody? Say, man, God spoke to me tonight. God spoke to me. There was something in there. Wow. Now let's honor God as we pray together. I'm going to just believe with you and pray for you. You can pray along as well. Father, in Jesus' name, the blood of Jesus over your people. I thank you that there's something going on in our inner man and inner woman. Our spirit is saved. Once we accept, accept Jesus, Lord, our spirit is saved. But our mind, our will, and our emotions, they need work. And thank you, God, because as we put in work, our heart is a construction zone for you. And you're working on us as we give you permission. You're a gentleman. You won't do anything without our permission. You will not violate our will. And I thank you, Father, that our hearts... Our mind, will, and our emotion, Lord. The inner us, the inner being, the inner person is being worked on as we make good decisions concerning your word. I thank you for healing us. I thank you that your word has fallen on good ground. I thank you for total transformation as we renew our minds, God. Because we're changed when we're saved. But, Lord, the real work begins when we start allowing you to help us renew our minds. And, Father God, that's where the real work is. We can all confess Jesus, but the real work is the day after we confess Jesus, the month after, the year after, the decade after, as we push in and press in closer to you. Thank you for tonight, Father, and for your goodness. We worship you. We praise you. The blood of Jesus over everyone. Help us to apply your word with hearts of faith. In Jesus' name.